0: I want to, this morning, uh, just kind of remind you a little bit about what to pray for for Ukraine real quickly. Pray that the Lord would continue using us. The Lord has been giving us a lot of opportunities. We've been printing different things, like this is a booklet about why God is silent. We've been printing up different uh, tracks, testimonial tracks. Grab a couple of these on your way out if you didn't. These are testimonies. These are in English. You can read these. But we print up quite a few of those actually the last year, and half little, well actually it's already 600 days now, with another missionary and ourselves we've been able to print over two and a half million gospel tracts. And that's been a blessing because there's been a lot of young fellows that are asking for it. And please grab one of our prayer cards and continue praying for us. We do ask if you want to pray for our missionary, he's actually right now getting reestablished had to leave Russia, and now he's getting established in Ukraine, and he's praying the Lord will Take care of him and lead him and direct him. Actually not in Ukraine yet, but he hopes to get into Ukraine. He's right now in, in Moldova. The Lord bless us also with, uh, some Hebrew tracks right now because our plan is to be able to go to Israel. We're supposed to actually be going there in two weeks, but you all know what's going on over there right now. And they're not even sure how quickly this whole thing's going to get resolved, but we want to just be there when God wants us there. So ask you, pray for us that God would direct us so we won't be ahead of his timing. Like right now, somebody even said that there's very few people out on the street. So we're going over there trying to pass out Hebrew, Russian, New Testaments, and uh, some of these tracts that Brother uh, Brian, uh, what's his name? Uh, Yeah, Brother Green gave us from that they got for their uh, trip over there for using in Israel. And we're uh, just glad that God's given us opportunity to be able to go over there. But we want to be able to be uh, there at the right time to be able to reach the right people. These will be for the... For the Russians, or for the uh, Hebrew speakers, but we're mainly, our purpose is go over there and and help this other missionary be able to get out his Russian, Hebrew, New Testaments and be able to get out a lot of gospel tracts. We're just printed some actually for that purpose to be able to use over there. And I believe there's still some more at the printers. Just pray that God would direct us so we can actually be the vessels that we need to be while we're there. Also, I want to say some of the the blessings and side effects of uh, Ukrainians being spread all over Europe has actually been a kind of an unusual situation, like I said uh, before the slides. You have to look at not the little picture of what you're dealing with and what we're dealing with in Ukraine. We have to look at the whole picture. What is God doing through this war and through what's going on in in Israel? We know where that's leading from the Bible. But right now, when we look at uh, what's going on with the war in Ukraine and in Israel, it's for the furtherance of the gospel. God's doing everything that he does. I mean, I can't say he started either one of those wars, but God does everything that he does to try to get the gospel in people's hearts. And I hope that uh, you have that burden today. I know most of this church does, but sadly to say in every church there's, all, there's always some more that could, could use that fire getting started in their soul. So I pray that those that are on fire would continue igniting the others. But as we go around and look for those... Uh, Ukrainians all over the countries we've been going through, especially when we are in Poland, we're trying to pass out tracts to Ukrainians, but as we meet a Polish person, they get the gospel too. So it's actually a, a benefit to all of Europe, in a sense, having a situation like that happen. For one, it helps them all to realize that they need to, they could be in the same boat and that's going to happen to them eventually. But that's what this whole thing has become over there in Ukraine. This war has become a wake-up call. So pray that God would use that wake-up call to wake up souls, that they would be saved. I read a really good testimony. I've got some Hebrew literature, and I was reading this testimony of this Jewish fellow. And he was uh, stand, he was standing up and speaking at a big, it sounded like an ecumenical type uh, congregation. This was 1895. And he was very proud about being... Um, Basically Jewish that he didn't need he just he'd become a rabbi that he didn't need that Jesus that everybody else thinks they need, and his his pride reeked through his whole message, and there was one lady out there that prayed for him though, he he doesn't even mention her name acts like he really doesn't know who she was but he said she prayed that God would do whatever it took even bring him down if it needed was needed so he'd realize his need for Christ. And nine years later, through all these different circumstances, his wife died a, wee, a year later a uh, terrible death and everything was perfect. He had everything and he said he didn't need anything all of a sudden his wife dies and he loses the purpose of life so he lo- gives up his uh, his ra- rab- rabbinical uh, office or as a, as the head of this ra- rabbinical church. I was even surprised he was actually even going as a he was a chaplain for the uh, masons. I was kind of surprised about that—a Jew being a chaplain for Masons. But they're a mess anyway, so who knows what they, what all they do. But anyway, um, I don't know what a, i do don't know. But I thought they were all at least somewhat kind of, some kind of Christians. But who knows? Anyway, the uh, interesting thing was that God began to show him that the Trinity through the Old Testament. And then started showing him in the New Testament when he started seeking. And God began to open his heart. It took him nine years. They say typically for a Jew it takes about ten years for him to get saved. So don't give up on people. We often write off people. We often, ah, they'll never get saved. Well, how long did it take for you? It wasn't probably just a couple of weeks, was it? God has to labor in a heart. Paul talks about it being, uh, you know, like travailing in labor. And, um, it, it is, I believe when God works on people, you know the Bible says if He wasn't long-suffering, you know we would we count that He's awfully long-suffering. We think, man, that's a whole long, He's waiting way too long. Well, if He wasn't that long-suffering with you, where would you be right now? He might have punished you early, and you'd have been in hell. But He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God puts up with us quite a while. He knows what we're doing. He knows we're against Him. We're fighting against Him. We love the world instead of loving Him. And God puts up with us, not wanting us to end up in hell. But this morning, I want to kind of preach about that. Let's look at uh, Proverbs chapter uh, 29, I believe it is, where he talks about uh, a problem that exists. But the question is, who has the problem? Is it God or is it us? Um, okay, it's actually Proverbs 20, yes, 29, verse 18. Twenty nine eighteen. 18 think about this passage where there is no vision as a result the people perish now he's talking about people perishing if God did everything to keep people from perishing for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life I don't think the problem of the vision is God's Amen. who's got the problem then How many of us have that problem? If you've got poor vision, do you go to the optometrist and try to see if you need to get some glasses to help fix it? What about going to the great physician asking him to help you with your spiritual vision? We need his we need his help. We need him to be the one that helps us see clearly. See what not just we want to see, but what he wants us to see. Remember, when you're saved, who are you? You're God's child. God's a spirit. And we become his spiritual children. So we have a spiritual life now. And it's a totally different life. We should have spiritual eyes too. To be able to see spiritual things. You remember the the prophet said, Lord open his eyes that he he might see. He could then see finally that there were more with them than there was with, with the devil and his army against him. But um, think about the fact here when he's talking about Isaiah 51. Very interesting verse. I've never seen a verse quite like this in my mind, that actually tells us to get our eyes on different things. I mean, in 2 Corinthians 4, the last verse, he says that we should not look on the things which we can see, but on the things which we can't see, because the things that we can see are what? Temporal. The things we can't see are eternal. And if we get our mind and our eyes on things that are eternal, we'll start seeking those things which are eternal. Our problem can be, now I'm not saying every one of you has this problem, is that all these things that the devil advertises around us get us distracted from our purpose. And our purpose isn't just to live and and give to missions, which is one of the great things that your church does a great job of, but our church purpose is also to be the one that we do the missions right here. Brother Elsie he talked about that, doing it right here where you are, since God didn't call you to go anywhere, he called you to be right here, a missionary. I don't believe there's anybody that God doesn't want to have a mission. But to have the vision of what you're supposed to be doing and accomplishing right now is what God wants us to get our eyes on. Because so often we have our minds on and our thoughts on what's going on with our life temporarily. And we forget and overlook, you know, what am I here for? I mean, yes, God actually works those circumstances sometimes to get us in the right place so we can do what we're here for. And we just get so busy with all the things that are happening, we forget what I'm supposed to be doing in all my circumstances. Everywhere he puts us, he said, we were going to get what? The Holy Spirit. For what reason? We'd have power to be witnesses. And if we don't have that power, then we need to get filled with the Spirit. Amen? And if we do have that power, it's not for us. It's not for our sake, it's for the sake of the lost. It's for the sake of reaching them with the gospel. Isaiah 51, verse 6, God's trying to help us get our eyes refocused. Look what he says here where we should be looking. He says, lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath. So he didn't say just look up and then look down. He said he wants you to look from up there down here. Once you get your eyes up in the heavens, then look from there down here and see what you can see. See what you see from his point of view. His point of view is totally different than ours, and that's what I'm trying to say. You know, he's got souls on his mind. He had, that was his end game, his end plan is to try to save souls. That's why all through the Bible it was all preparing and then sending Christ to fulfill what he'd promised in the very first. The third chapter, when Adam and Eve sinned, he said, this is going to happen. I'm going to take care of Satan. I'm going to take him out of the way. I'm going to take his power away. I'm going to destroy him. But all through the Bible, he's pointing at Christ so people would see him. And he even shows all through the old and the new that man can never save himself. He needs a savior. And so he's trying to point our eyes to the salvation that we need. That's why verse 6 says, lift up your eyes to the heavens. Get them up there. And now, and look upon the earth beneath. Why? Because when you get up there, you can see things the way he sees them. He says, for the heavens shall vanish away like smoke. It's temporal. And the earth shall wax old like a garment. Because it's temporal. And they that dwell therein shall die in like manner. Every man is just down here temporarily. Question is, where will they be when they die? Where will they spend eternity? They're going to be in the resurrection of life or the resurrection under condemnation. And just in a general way of looking at it, we need to realize that some, they're going to either be in heaven or they're going to be in hell and a lot depends on their choice. But what is their choice dependent upon? Their understanding of the gospel. Their hearing and understanding the gospel. When you think about the eunuch, I mean this guy's riding back from Jerusalem, he's got the book of Isaiah and he's reading it. And Jesus has already died on that cross. But he still can't see it. He still can't understand it. And when uh, he's asked by, by Philip, he says, "You know, Do you understand what you're reading? He says, No. He says, How can I accept some man? Guide me. So God wants to use... That guy said he needed a man. And God shows us over and over that people need men to guide them. Think about Cornelius. I mean, God sent an angel, but didn't use the angel. He said, you, the angel told him, go get Peter. You need Peter here, because he's going to tell you. God wants to use you and me. We are his vessels. We're his chosen vessels, and he's chosen to work through us, even though we know how unfaithful and how unreliable we are. But God is still chosen. That means. And we can't neglect that. We can't think, well, you know, somebody will get do it without me somebody will do it instead of me well when i read what it says there in acts or in uh, go, uh, ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 and then i read verse 10 i realize that god has works that are particularly for you or by grace are ye saved you're saved through faith and that not of yourselves is the gift of god not of works lest any man should boast for we are his workmanship once we're saved god makes us that new creature and he says, all things, old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself, and given us the ministry of reconciliation. He says, now all things are of God, who hath, um, who hath um, blah, blah, blah. we are his, we are his, uh, his workmanship created in Christ Jesus, unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. If we're his workmanship and we're supposed to do those good works that he's before ordained for us, that means they're for me. They're for you. They're not for somebody else. Brother Roger's not supposed to do what you're supposed to do. Brother Lewis can't do what you're supposed to do. You have influence on the people that God put in your life and you in their life. They can't go and do what you can do with those people. Now, they might be able to supplement and help if they won't listen to you because you're too close. Sometimes that happens. Jesus said, "Prophets not all, not accepted except in his own country," but you can. But they trust you, so if you can bring them into their life, then maybe they'll receive the gospel through them. That's a that's a method we use sometimes in Ukraine. We have a we have a little pamphlet where we try, try to teach Christians to pray for their lost loved ones and build a relationship with them, loved ones, neighbors, uh, coworkers, build a relationship with them so they trust you, and then they'll be able to they'll not just trust you but they'll trust the person that you bring along with them with you when you come and talk to them because they'll understand that you know you desire their good not their not their evil if they won't listen to you but they'll listen to that other fella that might be the means that God will use to get the gospel to them. Often we as Christians want other people to be saved, but sometimes we also even pray, Lord, save my loved one, send somebody to them. That's great. If you're somebody that says, Lord, here am I, send me to whoever I need to go to. Not just save mine, I want to save whoever you want to save. I want to go wherever you want me to go. I want to be that fellow that goes to somebody else's lost loved one. And tells them the gospel because God doesn't want us just to be egotistical. He wants us to realize that we're here to serve Him and He knows what fish is ready to bite at what time. And He knows where the net needs to be cast. And if it's, if it's a rod or reel, I mean, He knows which, which fish individually. I think right now most of the time it's, it works best when you just do a rod and a reel, trying to use a net. It doesn't really work very well because those mass evangelizations don't seem to be working like they used to. But, you know, the most important thing for us to realize is that we're here to evangelize. Paul said when he came to Corinth, he said, I sowed. And then Apollos came by and he watered. And then God gave an increase. Amen. We don't know when we're going to be the one that gets to see the increase. But we know that somebody's got to be sowing. And if we're somebody else already sowed and we keep on sowing upon that, it's going to be basically watering onto that gospel, the seed that was already sown. And God will use it. To bring that increase. We don't need to be the one that says, well, you know, it's too late. That guy's gone too. I've seen some of the worst people in the world get saved. Amen? Yeah. I mean, we don't need to be the ones that try to judge people. We just need to realize they're all sinners and they all need the gospel. There's not a wrong address to take the gospel to. We need to be the ones that realize that and do all that we can to get it to everybody that we can. And pray and ask the Lord, who do you want me to go to? Yeah. Who do you want me to speak to? And... Uh, one preacher said, you know, we should ask, you know, Lord, who should I encourage today? You ever thought about encouraging other people? We come together, we gather together, not just to be here, but he says, you know, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but encouraging. And, you know, we're here to actually encourage. We're here to actually build up one another. And, you know, when you're not here, that means you're not part of the church, Right. Nope, you're still part of the church, amen? And we're here to encourage one another, whether we're actually in church or not. Every, every day, our prayers and our, our texts and those things, calls, phone calls, they can all encourage and keep somebody else who's down, keep them from going down. I mean, we, we have to realize that it's harder to win new people than it is to keep the ones we got. So if somebody gets down, depressed, encourage them. It was interesting to me back in... Um, I think it's Isaiah 50, um, 53, 55. But uh, David, he talks about, he used David as an example. David, to me, is a great example because David, um, he fought the, la- fought the lion for the lamb. He didn't say, ah, we got more of them. He didn't just let him devour it. He went and got it out of his jaws to keep it alive. I mean, we need to be fighting for one another. We need to be concerned about each other. We need to not just neglect, you know, oh, the body, well, I'll just throw away my appendix. I really don't need it. Get rid of my gallbladder. I really don't need it. That's what the doctors teach us anymore today. But it's not really true. They all have a purpose. They all play a part. And we need to keep them if we can. Yeah, there are times when sometimes it's needed to have um, some some part getting rid of if it's cancerous or something like that. But we need to be really doing all we can to protect and to prevent the need for that loss. If we can, we can stop it. Praise God. We need to do all that we can to stop it. Let's think about the fact that what should we get our eyes on? He says here that, you know, the heavens are temporal, the earth is temporal, and all the people on the earth are going to die. But then he does say something there that is eternal. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. The thing that is going to last forever is... If you're saved, you have His righteousness. You're going to be in heaven, and everything that's eternal is everything that God has done, not that we've, we we accomplish and we make. Everything that—that's why He tells us to get our eyes on the things that are not seen, not look at the things that are seen. The things that are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. When we leave this earth, what are we going to leave with? Naked. And naked. Came in naked. We're going to go out naked. Yeah, they might put a suit on us or something in that coffin. But we're not going to take anything with us, are we? But there are a couple of things that actually will be going with us. He says, lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. Amen. Nobody can steal them when they're up there. And I, When I read that passage in Psalm 126, the last verse, when he says, um, he that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall... Doubtless, come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Well, I think those sheaves are going to be with us there too. Amen? Those souls that we bring to salvation, they're going to be with us in heaven. And we need to realize that's what he wants us to get our eyes on. Get our eyes refocused and get spiritualized where we can actually see that we're here for souls. We're here to get those souls to Christ, get those souls to salvation. If we don't point them to the Savior, who will? What are the JWs doing? They're serving. Not the Lord. They're serving. They're serving the Old Testament command to be Israel, but they're not Israel. And they're, they're taking a message that isn't the right message for the right time, that's for sure. And it's not all true. It's not, not elevating and giving Christ the deity that he is, the, the honor that he deserves. And the devil's got them out there to confuse people. They go out and they tell people to read the Bible. They're doing what we should be doing and discouraging us from doing it because, oh, well, I don't want to look like one of them. We should have beat them to it. Amen? But, okay, if we were too late, let's still go anyway and stop them from the heresy. Whenever I see those guys, I try to take their journals. I don't stand around and talk with them because it's, it's usually a waste of time unless I see they're weak. But I take their stuff. Why? To get it out of somebody else's hands. I don't want them, anybody else to get that garbage. And also, we try to teach them in Ukraine to burn the stuff, but it really doesn't burn very well. They put so much ink on there, it really doesn't make a good fire. It actually will put your fire out if you're not careful. But anyway, that's the way the devil is, amen? He's trying to put our fire out, so don't let him. Anyway, we need to realize that God's got a purpose for us that we often can't see with this temporal eye. We've got to get his eyesight. We've got to ask him, Lord, please let me have your vision. And when he looked down here, he saw souls. He saw a field, Jesus said, that needs to be sown. And that seed's going to grow, but it has to be sown. I think we've seen America's heyday back 50 years ago when the gospel was being preached on the radio everywhere. Television, I'm not saying they were the best preachers, but television was being used everywhere you went. The gospel and people knew who Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John was, and even knew what Romans was. Nowadays we're trying to give them Romans Road again, and they're saying, what's Romans? What's the Bible? Because today we've lost that God awareness that, that was here. So we're actually going to have to do more work than we ever had to do then. Have to plow sometimes and plant, because there is no seed out there. And so it's not as easy to go out and just go soul winning and see souls come like it was back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. That's when I got saved back in the 80s. And I've heard so many people, their testimonies were from the 50s to the 90s, to the to 2000. So many. It was so much easier. The devil's trying to make it harder. He's been sowing, using those JWs, sowing rocks in the field too. That's what the the Lord even told him to do that to the enemy's field. He said, throw rocks in there. It'll make it harder for him to try to to sow the next year. But you know what? If the devil's puts put rocks out there in your relatives or your friends' hearts, you're going to have to pray. You're going to have to work. You're going to have to labor to get those out of there. Yeah. And it's going to take work. But God wants us to do that work. We're here for that work. We're here for that job. We're here to pray for them. We're here to seek the Lord to save their souls. When you read what it says there in Timothy, he says, I w- um, let me think of it in English. I, w- I will therefore that first of all, Prayer and intercessions be made for all men, right? And thank, with thanksgiving, why? Because God wants to have all men to be saved in the come of the knowledge of the truth. Yeah. All men. I'm not a Calvinist, and I know you aren't either. But for the, all those men, all those people to be saved, what's it take? It takes that seed to be planted, and that seed to be watered, that understanding to be enlightened, because the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine unto them. Amen. But that light's in you, amen? Yeah, and if that light's in you, can they see it? Good. Just last week they had what? They had a, or a week and a half ago, they had a, an eclipse, right? Sometimes we eclipse, we get in front of the, the, sun, the light, and they can't see it. They see us instead of seeing Him. Something to be repented of. We can't walk in the flesh and live in the flesh and expect to do a spiritual job. We have to be spiritual. That's why there's three places that are in the Bible where he actually gives us a a command. We need to hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We need to be walking in the Spirit so we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And We need to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because being filled with the Spirit means the Spirit's going to have control over you just like that. Drunk, the alcohol is controlling his actions. If the Spirit's controlling our actions, we're not going to act the way we shouldn't. But he says that's why you cannot do the thing that you would. If you're filled with the Spirit, the Spirit won't let you do the thing that you want to do. And you know what? Most, most of modern day Christians, they walk in the flesh. And they're controlled by their flesh. Are we even seeking and concerned about being filled with the Spirit and walking in the Spirit? This is a spiritual warfare, right? Yes. And this is a spiritual life that we have. But how much of our time do we spend walking and living in the Spirit? Good. Good. And we're live in the Spirit, but are we living in the Spirit and walking in it and letting the Spirit control our actions, our thoughts, our words, and who we go to? I mean, we're asking the Lord we think sometimes the holy spirit's a taboo because the charismatics you know got such a wrong side of the market on it and they they're in that ditch over there and we think man we better avoid the ditch we go in the other ditch and we didn't talk, we don't even have the relationship we should with god because we were thinking well i don't want to be like one of them well you act like one of them that ain't even in fellowship with the lord because you think you know i got to be different from them but you've gone too far too far away from it and when he said draw nigh unto me and i'll draw nigh unto you he told us to take the first step amen yes, so that tells us something we're as close to god as we want to be because he told us to get closer and we've already stopped we're content where we are is he happy or is he still drawing Is he still wooing? Is he still wanting us to get closer? I'm glad that when I look at the Bible, God talks about the salvation of a soul like the birthing process, you know. That the the mother, when she goes through that labor, I mean, she's in a lot of pain. But once that child is born, she rejoices because now there's a child born. And the same with God. He puts up with people. He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's glad that finally that soul gets salvation. Because now he doesn't have to put up with that sinner anymore. Now he's got a son. Now he's got a child that's his. Now he can teach and train and, and use the word to help that child to grow. Grow in his salvation now. But you know, that doesn't happen by accident. It takes us. Making the effort to make sure they understand the gospel. And I'm not bragging on that little, that little card I gave some of you. And I'm glad if you want one of these, grab, one. To remind me afterwards I got some more of them. Just a great little tool to help you be able to get the gospel all the way in their heart and their mind and help them to follow you as you say it and not just, uh, hear you. Cause I've seen so many people when they were listening to me, but they weren't listening. It was a, they heard half of it, but I don't know where the rest of it went. I mean, they just didn't keep it in their heart and their mind. The old man that got saved when I was showing him those pictures, he was all over the place before I showed him the picture, and he started thinking about his relationship with God. When he started thinking about it, because he's looking at it, then he started to follow what I was saying, and it got in his heart. And I'm I'm not bragging on it, but I'm just saying that God can do, but we got to be the ones that God uses. we got to be the ones that say, Lord, I want to talk to those people that you want me to talk to. I want to reach those souls that you want to reach. I've heard oftentimes people pray, you know, Lord, send me to the person or save the person that's closest to eternity. There's a lot of them out there. And if you think about it, that a couple of them die every second, in this world, there's somebody in, probably in New Caney, that's going to die today. There's going to be quite a few die in Houston today. The question is, did somebody get them? the gospel, so they could make the right choice. Did somebody make the gospel so clear to them that they knew what choice, that there is only one choice, that there is only one way? Because I read yesterday there's 4,200 religions, but only one empty tomb. 4,200 religions. Can you believe that? How many of them did God start? You think he made any of them? Somebody's really got it. A... He's got such a maze, such a labyrinth, to keep people from confused and keep them from finding the truth. And if he doesn't have you, and he doesn't have me, if God doesn't have you, and God doesn't have me, to stand along the way, this broad broad path that's leading unto destruction, and tell them, hey, you're on the wrong path. You know, turn. This is the way. Walk ye in it. This is the way. There is only one way. And if you and I don't do that, whew, where are they going to end up? I've I've grown, fallen in love with one little chick tract because I go around and teach churches how to evangelize, tell them how to use their personal testimony to evangelize. But I fall in love with one chick track that's called the Long Trip. And because along that long trip, while this guy is going through life, he meets a guy standing there with a sign who's a christian who's saying i've got the truth there's good news and the good news is you can be saved and you don't have to perish and he's telling him and his wife and the kids they get on the right path they go off and they get saved but the devil keeps whispering in his ear he goes, he's stupid follows the devil and goes on and dies and goes to hell but at least he heard the truth somebody gave him the choice The devil can put all those thoughts in their ears and mess them up afterwards. If we keep praying for them, maybe God will bring them around to save them. But you know what? Three out of the four got saved that that guy talked with. But are we reaching any of them? Maybe because we're not seeking to be out there. Maybe we're not asking the Lord to put us where he wants us, to meet the right people and talk to them about him. If we aren't there. Oh, you know they just won't hear. That's true. But if they don't hear, how should they believe on him of whom they have not heard? And how should they hear without a preacher? How should they preach if they be not sent? I'm in Ukraine because God said that. Those verses. First he told me that the Christians there went underground under communism. And then communism fell apart. And he said, now it's time for the righteous to increase. And he said, but how? How? Except there'd be a preacher here. And so I knew that was the Lord's call, to be in Ukraine. And I moved in there and began distributing Gospels of John. Couldn't even talk to him yet. Got my first blow in the jaw before I even knew what the guy was telling me. I was doing wrong. I mean, he, he didn't even ask me. He said something to me before he punched me. But I didn't even know what he said. All I knew is he was mad. I think he was Muslim, and I'd given the Gospel of John to his son, and he was mad. But I didn't quit. We can't quit. We're not here to be quitters. We're here to help the Lord win as many of those souls as possible. Read the next two verses. He says, hearken unto me, ye that know righteousness. That's you, right? Amen. If you know righteousness, then hearken to the Lord. Listen to what the Spirit's got to say to you. The people in whose heart is my law. Fear ye not the reproach of men. Neither be ye afraid of their revilings. People make fun of you. People be down on you. People cuss you. But he said, fear not. If you look at their faces, the fear of man is a, is a snare. You won't go. You'll say, no, I can't. But if you got your heart on the purpose, the purpose is to get as many of them saved as possible. That's his purpose. He sent Christ to make one atonement for all of them so that all of them wouldn't have, none of them would have to perish. But they could come to repentance. But we got to be the ones here that don't worry about what they say to us. Because we're concerned about what he's going to say to us. We're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Or we're going to hear, why are you naked? Did you know that he says that? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that some will be standing there and they'll be naked. They'll be clothed upon with a new eternal body, but they'll be naked. Why? Their life was for who? Their life was for what? It's sad when you think about it that so many don't get a hold of the vision and don't even ask God, please correct my vision. Help me to see what you see. I don't want to be distracted. Put the blinders on me, Lord. Help me to see this is my purpose. To reach these souls. That you see souls out here. Think about what he says in the next verse. For the moth shall eat them up like a garment. He's going to eat all those things up that you see. Everything that's down here is not, not, is all temporal. And he said, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever. And my salvation from generation to generation. The only thing that matters and counts is salvation. And God's righteousness. Everything else is unimportant. What are we supposed to be seeking down here? He said we have to be... Well, in Peter he says that the time would suffice us, the time that we lived, according to the Gentiles. But now it's time to live under the will of God and do His will. Because we are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, yet not I, yet not you, but Christ lives in us. And now we're sent... Just like Christ said, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And what did he say? He was sent for? To seek and to save that which is lost. So we're sent by our Savior now, to seek and to save that which is lost. The Jehovah's Witnesses say they're witnesses under Jehovah. The Old Testament Uh, passage that he said for the, for the Jews, the nation of Israel was supposed to be Jehovah's witnesses. But Jesus said, ye shall be witnesses unto me. We're New Testament witnesses unto Christ. And we're here witnessing and testifying about what Christ has accomplished for each and every soul. We're not even, we shouldn't even think about their crazy titles and things because it's all the way, way out of whack. But we should be focused on our purpose. He said, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And if you got saved, the Bible says in uh, Ephesians 1.13, it says that you heard first the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and then you believed on him. That's why you started trusting in him. And then you were given the Holy Spirit. You, weren't, you have the Holy Spirit already if you believed on Christ. And what do you have him for? Because God wants to do exceeding, abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Not through us, but through the power that worketh in us. The power of the Spirit should be working in and through us. We should be spiritual creatures that walk and live in this world, but see things differently. See what God wants us to see. We see the needs people have. Because if God works through us, the fruit of the Spirit is manifested, the goodness of God will help lead that person to repentance. God will be speaking through us. That's why he bought you lock, lock, stock, and barrel. He didn't get just part of you. He got every bit of you. And he didn't get you just for some time. A really good Sunday school message this morning, we are talking about Joseph being bought. Bought. He was bought at the slave market. Oh, we were slaves to sin, weren't we? And we were, we were bought back by the Lord, amen? I mean, the price was paid for you. He says, therefore, glorify God in your body and in your members, which are his, amen? There is nothing that belongs to us anymore. He said, behold, if any man be in Christ, he is, is, not was, he is a new creature. All things are of God, he said. All these new things are of God. The old things are all passed away. He said old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new and all these new things are of God. Who has reconciled us unto himself and given us the ministry of reconciliation. And then we realize that God took Jesus Christ. You realize what that reconciliation ministry is? It means, are you saved? Okay. It means you are here to help others get reconciled to, to the Lord. I'm not just picking on you. You're just the closest guy. Sorry, you sat in the wrong place this morning. But uh, <clears throat> my wife always tells me, don't do this. But uh, sometimes it helps. Some, maybe it'll get you stirred up. Amen. You need to be talking to your friends and telling them that they need to be reconciled to God. Well, what would I say? You tell them how you got saved. That's your testimony. That's what the Spirit's in you to testify, that Jesus did what Jesus did for you. The maniac I'm not saying you're the maniac, but the maniac that had all those devils in him, they all went down into the, into the pigs when Jesus cast them out. Those pigs all perished, and the people were like, what in the world? They asked Jesus to leave, right? Well, when that maniac wanted to get in the boat with Jesus, he said, no, no, no. He said, you've got to go back and tell him. And when he did, when Jesus came back, they were willing to, ready to receive him. So our testimony is what God uses to prepare somebody to receive Christ. I'll tell you what, I got saved because four fellows in the church between Sunday school and the preaching hour told me how they got saved. One guy opened up Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Another guy opened up um, something in Romans. I can't remember what it was. And the last guy was telling me Romans ten thirteen. And then God told me on a Thursday night, he said... Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. So what did I do? Called the preacher? No. Got on my face and asked God to save me. All by myself. Why? Because God had already put that seed in my heart. He already was growing. It was ready. They'd watered it. It was all ready to go. Just God had to give it that life. But you know what? If we don't give them our testimony, if we don't give them a gospel, witness, I believe tracts shouldn't be our only means. They're great means. I use them. I got a brochure back there if you don't, didn't take it. A hundred and some ways that you can use gospel tracts and ideas how to use them. but And reasons why you should use them. But you know what? The gospel tract isn't the only testimony. You are the witness. That If that's your testimony, praise God. I love to give tracts and I love to say this is what God used to change my life. So that tract means more to them than just a piece of paper. They'll read it, wow. I've even had people say, I hope it changes my life. I've had other ones say, I'm going to read it then. Because even though it, I'm nobody and they don't even know me, but if I see their name tag, I'm going to say, this is for you. And I'm going to try to repeat, repeat their name, make them realize that they're special. They're somebody important. And they need to know that you know God notices them just like I noticed them. And God gave them that track through me. And they'll realize God's trying to reach them. But if they have no testimony, No witness, and all of a sudden a JW comes up to him. They're going to start reading it. Down in Houston at the hotel we were at, the young black guy there. He said he started reading the Bible through the Jehovah's Witnesses. Well, praise God, I think his mom is a Christian, and she got him off of that. He quit going, quit reading them with them. But you know, they were the ones that approached him. I approached him when I was there, gave him the gospel, and. You know, I asked the brothers. He was supposed to come to church last Sunday night. I don't know whether they did or not. I need to call Brother Brad and ask him. But, you know, and I even know what room he lives in so they can go reach him, go talk to him. People need to be important to us because they've got a soul. And that soul is going to spend eternity somewhere. And what's it depend on? It depends on whether we care or not in reality. Whether we care enough to give them the gospel that God told us to. If we. They say that if the church a long time ago would have got on fire, we could have reached the world long. I mean, if every one of us got on fire, we'd have reached the world a long time ago. I just talked with another, wrote back and forth with another missionary, or another preacher, somewhere up here in Clarendon, or somewhere up in Texas. But he said, you know, three of his missionaries canceled. He said, but there's very few anymore going. He said, a lot of them coming back. Very few going. It's easier to live here, isn't it? But is it right to live in comfort, to live where God puts you, to live where God puts you, but maybe so you can grow and be one of those ones that hears the call when he said, pray ye there for the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers. Where's he going to send them forth from? From the church where he's prepared you. He doesn't want you to stay here forever. I mean, he wants you to get in here and grow, but then he wants to send you forth. It's great if you go to the prisons. It's great if you go where? To the streets. But if you go nowhere, what are you here doing? What are you doing with your life? Are you going to be that fellow that stands up there and is embarrassed because he's naked? Because his life was wood, hay, and stubble? Live for the flesh, live for self. And you're just embarrassed and mad at yourself, the regrets up there are going to be terrible. You can't change that. You can change it now, though. You can change right now and start doing what God wants you to do today and then you won't have regrets for tomorrow. You realize there's, there's a song, they sang it, to Brother Farley, the second time I heard it, the first time I heard it, I was so impressed. I wanted to sing it, never heard it again. I even kicked myself, I didn't get the name of the title or anything. It's a young lady, she's singing Out of Hell. And she's saying, I can't believe I called you my friend when you never even told me. You could have done what told me what it needed to not end up in this place. You could have kept me from this place. We walked and talked and played in life together. And we did all these things together. But you never told me once what I needed to know that it kept me from this place. And she says, now I'm so glad that you're going to be in heaven. But he said, I have a hard time thinking that you're my, you were my friend. Were you really a friend? Are you really a friend? If you don't tell him? Jesus said, What? He didn't just say it, he showed it. He said, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. God wants you to be his friend, but not just you. He wants them all to be his friends. He wants them all to not love the world, but love him. And that won't change until we realize it's time for us to start laying down our life as a living sacrifice. He doesn't expect us to die for him, but he expects us to die to ourselves yeah. And become that living sacrifice that's going to go. Whatever it costs us, we're going to go, we're going to pray for him. we're going to give him the gospel, we're going to pray for him after we give him the gospel. Water that seed some more. And pray that God would give him another chance, give me another chance to talk to him if, if it takes that again. I mean, I don't believe... Brother, did you get saved the first time you heard the gospel? No. Did it take a while? Yes. You look like it took a while. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I love you, brother. I'm just teasing. But it, it wasn't easy. I mean, it took those four men four weeks in a row. Plus, I'd heard the I mean, I got discouraged in Christ, in Catholicism, and I got out of Catholicism. And so for over a year and a half, I started starting to believe evolution. God did a lot of things. He had me turn over my truck on myself, kept me from dying, even though I was a stupid drunk driver, and um, did a lot of things to keep me from perishing. And then he gave me the gospel, brought me to a good church, a Baptist church, which is unusual for a Catholic to come in. I came in just because I got discouraged with the Catholic Church, and God showed me the Baptists were the ones that were serving the Lord. But you know what? God put up with me a while, and he saved me at 20. And it's easier to save them when they're young, but we often wait and wait, and then we don't even don't even start knocking if we do. We knock they there, oh, he's, in, he's sick, he's dying, oh, I better go to him. Well, I wish we'd have reached him sooner. Yeah, the thief on the cross is in heaven. But you know, he probably wishes himself he'd have heard it and knew it sooner. Let's get him to the Savior. Colossians 3, he says we need to be have our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. Where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. What's Christ doing sitting up there? I'm about to finish. He's sitting at the right hand of God. Why? Because he's the interceder. Amen? He's the Savior. He's waiting for when they're going to realize they're guilty and come to God through him. The Bible says he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And he's able to save unto the uttermost all that come unto God by him. He's waiting. God's waiting. God's waiting. He's long suffering, putting up with them. He's waiting for what? What are they waiting for? For when you and I are going to get them pointed in the right direction. Bring them to Christ. Show them that they need to come to Him, that there is no other way. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For He that cometh, they have to come. We have to point them. If they don't ever come, they'll never get salvation, they'll never have the faith. The faith that God expects, which brings them to him. Faith that comes from hearing. and Hearing by the word of God. We've got to sow that precious seed. The incorruptible seed of the word of God that liveth and abideth forever. So there can be a new birth. In John chapter 3, Jesus sent his disciples into Sychar. He sat on the well and witnessed that lady. I mean, told her, revealed himself to her. And those disciples, what did they come back with? I believe they, they ended up, well, sorry, just going to borrow it. They ended up getting some bread and some fish. And then they came back and told Jesus they had the bread and the fish. Eat, master. He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. He said, I'm not here for that, for the food. He said, I'm not here for that stuff. I'm here to accomplish his will. Are we here for that? Are we here for the bread and the fish? Are we just seeing that stuff? Jesus said that the Gentiles seek after all the things, what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear. He said, but you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all that other stuff that you need. Philippians 4.19, he said, he'll supply all your needs. He knows we have need of those. He'll take care of that. But we got to get our mind on what we're here for again. I'm here to reach souls. You're here to reach souls. You might be young, but that doesn't mean you're too young. That orange track back there, her daughter got saved at 10. started witnessing to Grandma. Grandma said, no, I'm an atheist. Grandma didn't get saved the first time. But a year later, through prayer and witnessing again, Grandma got saved. 11-year-old daughter, granddaughter brought a grandmother of Christ. God can use each and every one of us. And he wants to use each and every one of us. It says, ye shall be witnesses. That was future tense because they didn't have the Holy Ghost. But you got the Holy Ghost, so you are a witness. Not shall be, you should be. should be right now. Brother, Brother Roger.